0: Time and again, the world bears witness to truths seldom said. Lend an ear. We promise enlightened, informed conversation. My name is Robert, and this is Seldom Said, the place where conversation matters. Welcome back. The program is called Seldom Said, the place where conversation matters. Very special guest today, Mr. Irv Miljoner, the former director of the Long Island U.S. Department of Labor. Also, the founder of the second gen organization, it's affiliated with the Holocaust Moral Tolerance Center of Nassau County. Irv, welcome to Seldom Said. Thank you very much,
1: Bob. It's great to be with you.
0: Can we start with a little bit of personal background? Who you are, where you've been, and what's brought you to this time and place?
1: Yes, uh, I was. I was. I'm sorry for that. I was uh, uh, born and raised in Brooklyn. Um, to parents who were Holocaust survivors. Um, uh, I I say that by introduction because it pretty much uh, has influenced uh, my entire life. Um, uh, I was keenly aware from a young age that my parents were different from others. but not so much as um, Holocaust survivors or victims of any sort. They were older. They spoke Yiddish. They had accents. Uh, but I'd say I had a typical um, uh, Brooklyn childhood. I spent much time in the neighborhood streets and schoolyards and um, exposed to much diversity um, uh, in the neighborhoods, in the schools and otherwise. Um I really loved my Brooklyn childhood and I uh, increasingly value and appreciate it as the years go by, um, along with uh, my parents' uh, values. Um, and they valued uh, their freedom and heritage and and always emphasized the importance of education. Uh, I attribute my Brooklyn upbringing to um, – much of whatever achievements, uh, I've had, um, uh, I even went to school in, Bro- uh, college that is in Brooklyn at Brooklyn college and, uh, pretty much, um, stayed in Brooklyn, lived in Brooklyn, um, until, uh, the, um, early 1990s when I moved out to Long Island.
0: Rather curious, uh, uh, you mentioned Brooklyn and you mentioned diversity I'm a product of a Brooklyn background, and there's something about that era and something about the borough. It's very hard to put one's finger on it. A friend told me, don't go back, you'll be disappointed today.
1: What do you feel was distinctive? Well, um, I think it's a combination of things. Um, The... um, uh, yes uh, the diversity certainly uh, as as mentioned um but um along with the diversity i think there was a great sense of community um which might surprise people uh, to hear me say that um i was not um uh I never felt that i was disjointed from those around me and um Uh, in a teeming um, metropolis where people just um, uh, spent um, their time in in their insular um, existences. I interacted with um, uh, everyone in the neighborhood, storekeepers, uh, you know, um, uh, and and certainly the... um, um, the neighbors, but because we were so closely um, living—I mean, physically—to each other, um, I, I think that sense of community um, uh, was a necessity. I lived in a a, a tenement building, um, literally attached to to others above and below others, and and. Um, you know, it was a a giant, diverse, <laughs> crowded, um, but interdependent community, and and um, yes, there was some tough aspects about that. You had to distinguish yourself um, and um, compete, whether it was in in the schoolyard or, or or otherwise. And I think the the combination of the um. um Competition um, for attention, even um, in, in the uh, large, crowded area, uh, along with the history and heritage of Brooklyn itself, regardless of what your ethnicity was, um, we all felt part of a um, a great, larger um, dynamic.
0: I do remember the difference and the acceptance of difference. My best friend was the rabbi's son. I did not encounter anti-Semitism till I moved to the suburbs. Given the uh, familiar background that you experienced, Irv, did it give you a sharper perception of anti-Semitism, of prejudice?
1: It didn't then. I would say it does now. Um, I mean, um, uh, I'm uh, I'm aware of the fact, and of course, have been since I've been an adult, that living in New York City, we sort of have a, um, a, a skewed vision,, uh, at least we did growing up, of anti-Semitism because uh, we were amid so many other uh, Jewish families and Jewish people along with the other ethnicities, you know, African-American, Italian, Irish. um, It it really was um, uh, what used to be called a great uh, melting pot. I was not aware of um, anti-Semitism. I make the distinction between that and knowing that my parents were different, but I I didn't equate it with... um, uh or or feel it um as anti-semitism you know as my life went on i um i experienced some uh some aspect of anti-semitism um but not growing up
0: do you feel that the lessons and we've done any number of programs on holocaust survivors and some second gens do you feel that the lessons are being lost that people are not as interested as they were during the years of our childhood?
1: Um, interested in, in anti-Semitism, do you mean, or or just our heritage in general, or tolerance? What do, you, what do you mean exactly, Bob? Interested in what
0: can happen when something like anti-Semitism takes foothold, as it did in Germany
1: in 1938? I think it had been dormant for a very long time, except in uh, recent years when the uh, incidents around the country and the world have drawn our attention to it and have uh, redirected our attention. Definitely, with the passing of, uh, of the decades, as we move further and further out and away from the time of the Holocaust, I think there's been a diminishing um, uh, interest and... Um, uh, and, um, focus and understanding of anti-Semitism. But I think that's changed in, in the last two years. In fact, uh, I would say if there's any positive aspect to the recent anti-Semitic, uh, incidents of uh, the last couple of years, it's been that it's drawn people's attention to it. And, um, biases in general and, um, uh, leading to the recent, uh, marches against and rallies against anti-Semitism, that doesn't mean, uh, the awareness has, uh, has slowed the, uh, the growth and spread of anti-Semitism, but I think, um, a lot more people are a lot more aware of it.
0: Do you think there is a need to be more aggressive in one's response to it?
1: Yes, uh, aggressive, I would use the word assertive uh, more because aggressiveness um, uh, connotes uh, some uh, aggressive uh, physical action or or, um, uh, to some people. But definitely we should be more assertive about it, pointing it out, calling it out, Wherever it exists, even if the calling out is seen as politically incorrect, um, I um, I believe in 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 tolerance very deeply, and even political correctness, but only up to a certain point. Um, after which, it becomes counterproductive.
0: I do remember my own epiphanal moment, sitting with a woman in Brooklyn on Flatbush Avenue who always mentored me, watched over me while I played. I did not understand why she often looked at me and gave me the impression that she was looking by me to someone else until her sleeves rolled up one day and I saw three numbers. Is there an epiphanal moment in your own life?
1: Um, I can't say there was a single moment or epiphany when um, my heritage or my background became the driving force in my life. But uh, my personal history definitely compelled many of my actions, choices, passions, and causes throughout my life. And, and probably the most prominent example of that is is my career. Um, and and I, I do connect my, my heritage, my Jewishness, my parents' experience to my career. It wasn't so much that I chose to be the director <laughs> of the Long Island office at the U.S. Labor Department, but I often say that it chose me in a way uh, and I was there for over forty years, where um, we were in we were in the office that enforced labor laws on behalf of the most low wage, vulnerable, and exploited workers. And uh, both of my parents, uh, as did so many other um, survivors, um, worked in garment sweatshops for many years. And I was keenly attuned to workers' rights and issues such as slave labor that reminded me of the concentration camps uh, and the experience of of my parents, who were were, uh, both um, in in, uh, several camps. In fact, I had a photo of the front gate at Auschwitz on my office wall, Um, that gate was uh, emblazoned with the German words, Arbeit macht frei, work will make you free, which was a mocking lie to the prisoners whom the Nazis never intended to be free. Um, So, but beyond that, my government career took me to many places around the country, and I increasingly realized the implications of Jews being less than 2% of the American population. Uh, In fact, I was only one of two Jewish managers in the agency in the whole country. And I can't say I encountered very much anti-Semitism in my travels, but there were subtle and occasional indications or undertones. Um, I was named after my mother's father, Most people outside New York had never met anyone named Irv or Irving. They often couldn't spell my name, phonically simple as it is. uh, I got funny looks in the Deep South or even in the Midwest or West. Some of it was my New York accent, but there was also the New York Jewish thing. Um, And even institutionally, uh, the agency... um, scheduled management meetings during Passover. And I'd hear some uh, remarks when I was very outspoken at uh, management meetings or on conference calls. Um, I sometimes could overhear remarks like, uh, who the hell does he think he is? Uh, And I even heard um, myself being labeled a big mouth from New York. And I never was bothered by any of that, but I did hear the word Jew thrown in there from time to time. Um, and, um, that w- was uh, very disturbing, but it only made me more resolute to be, a, a greater advocate, um, and, and advocate more strongly. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I stuck it out. I became the most tenured uh, director in the country in the agency uh, with the most um, successful litigations and back-wage restitution recoveries for uh, uh, these vulnerable populations. Um, you know, my, my background... Um, uh, was the compelling factor obviously uh, in becoming uh, and my Holocaust legacy and uh, becoming um, more and more involved, including involvement with the uh, Holocaust Center. Uh, I never knew the Holocaust Center existed uh, a dozen years ago or uh, uh, but but um, it was 12 or 14 year, years ago that I met, the education director of the center, um, it was at a presentation on the labor aspects of human trafficking. It was at this human trafficking uh, symposium where um, she approached me afterwards and asked me to give a similar workshop at the center. Um, I didn't even know the center existed, as I said, but when I told um, the director, Beth Lilac, that both of my parents were survivors, she she gasped. I don't know if it was in uh, uh, delight, I can't say, or mostly surprise, and said, oh, my goodness, this was meant to be. Uh, The center was relatively new. She invited me to take a tour and asked me what I'd like to see by way of programming to be developed. And I immediately said, I'd like to see a second generation group, Uh, as I knew how many of them um, lived in the area and were continually dealing with the effects of having grown up in survivor families. Um, I'd read about the second generation syndrome and inherited trauma and all those concepts. So um, um, I'm grateful that... um, the education director said it was a, a, a wonderful idea. And on the spot, she said, okay, it's done. The we'll, center will support it. And I uh, uh, bequeath uh, the, uh, the group to you, and you are the founder of the second generation group for Long Island. So I was very um, um, uh, proud of that. And um, uh, over the next seven or eight years, I developed the agenda and facilitated the monthly meeting, spent a lot of time on it. Um, it was a labor of love for me, in addition to my job. And uh, the group continues to meet um, monthly with a, uh, a group on the North Shore as well as the South Shore to this day. Um,
0: you use the term, you use the term and emphasize the term of assertive. To a young man or woman in the listening audience who is conscious of their own heritage, perhaps their Judaism, whatever the case might be, what advice would you give them if they wish to follow in some way your own yellow brick road?
1: Um, Well, it was sort of a yellow brick road. I had a wonderful career. I believe deeply in... um, um, Not only uh, supporting, exhibiting, practicing uh, my Jewish heritage, but I'm also a very proud American. I consider myself a patriot. Um, uh, And my advice would be to uh, never sacrifice your um, terms and your values and your ideals um, even if you're only among 2% of the population, uh, because there may be prices to pay, but I think the rewards are ever greater and um, you'll get more respect from um, being proactive and, and honest and uh, and assertive, Um than, uh, then, then if you didn't, um, you know, it's an old saying, um, that, um, the greatest, uh, risk in life is, is never taking one. And I think that goes to, um, having a good, fulfilling life, being true to yourself. Um, if I had to summarize it in, um, four words or, or so.
0: The greatest mistake in life is not taking advantage of a circumstance. Remember reading that Dante's last circle was for the apathetic. Ah. Do you blame, Well, that's a terrible word perhaps to use, but do you hold cognizant the fact that there are those who simply are good people, but tend to look the other way? Absolutely.
1: In fact, I, I think it's common. Um, and I, uh, I mentioned the term political correctness, and there's um, gradations of of that. And uh, some people keep quiet out of peer pressure or political correctness. Um, And I don't think the word blame is too strong. Um, uh, I agree with... uh, um, I agree with Dante <laughs> and other philosophers who uh, who um, decry uh, apathy. Um, it's no good for yourself. It's no good for your community. <coughs> it's no good for your uh, uh, your country or anyone else. Um, yeah, and I think uh, second generation people. What one of the their dynamics was they did try to um, oh uh, um, diminish um, the influence of their own heritage to their own detriment and many have come back to it in, in later years. I did too. I wanted to fit in, you know uh, as a kid, I remember. Uh, all my uh, little childhood friends, their parents were much younger. Uh, they didn't speak with a Yiddish accent. Um, and, um, and um, you know, I was even uh, ashamed uh, at times of, uh, of my parents. Uh, open school night, some would think those, uh, you know, that those were my grandparents, not my parents, etc. cetera. But it's all okay. It's, it's, it's part of the uh, growing and learning process. Um, uh, I think that um, um, there's a lot, of, a lot of detriments to getting older, but one of the benefits is uh, perspective and wisdom and realization. And, um, you know, I think about my heritage more now than ever. I think about my parents now more than ever uh the effect on me the effect on uh uh my um daughter and um, um it becomes ever more imp- who you are uh you cannot escape uh or who you were and it becomes ever important and um yeah, we can never say that being a child of holocaust survivors um uh or the Holocaust experience in general um, could ever be um, considered a blessing in any way uh but it's a uh um it's important um and a positive thing to realize what that has meant um, in my life. And I attribute, uh, in a way, my parents' suffering and my whole experience, again, to whatever success I've had in life, along with the Brooklyn neighborhood.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, you've mentioned your parents in an obviously very loving way. For the listening audiences, Irv, Can you ask them to close their eyes, make a wish, and imagine your parents at table? Tell us about them.
1: They were very different from each other. Um, My uh, father was um, hard-nosed, obstinate, stubborn, uh, focused. He worked six or seven days a week in that garment shop. He never spoke about um his experience at uh auschwitz uh or the other camps um even when I asked him about the uh you know the numbers on his arm uh he didn't want to speak about it and he didn't um, but um he was um the most hardworking, uh, uh, family oriented, um, um, observant, faithful, uh, person in my life. And he's been an example for me in that regard. Um, my mother was, um, a a, um, a pure soul um, never had an unkind word about anyone and not only because she was holding back but she never had an unkind thought uh, nor word uh, about anyone uh, naive innocent uh, which was remarkable to me considering what she had been through and um, Uh, and, um, I have, my mother made me a better person in every way. If I have any, uh, unkind, negative, or harsh thoughts about anyone, deservedly or not, I think about my mother and, um, you know, I, I snap out of it, um, uh, again, uh, Pure soul is the best uh, description. Now, they both, um, and and by the way, she did talk about the Holocaust. Uh, Almost matter-of-factly, while my father was the only one of a large nuclear family, eight siblings, he was the only one to survive. My mother survived with two sisters. Um, They survived the camps together. Um, and she talked about her experiences, um, um, both in, in the camps, in the ghetto before that, in the displaced persons camp where they lived afterwards, uh, and otherwise. They ta- uh, she talked about uh, her feelings when she uh, um, saw the Statue of Liberty, um as they sailed past it on their way to uh Ellis Island, um you know it makes me um a part of my saying I'm an American patriot is because of that experience as explained by my mother as well um they were um uh, they lived in a DP camp for um, Um, Five or six years after liberation, they were married there. I have a sister who was born there. And when they came here with just about nothing, they were supported by an organization, the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society, HIAS, who put them up in an apartment on the Lower East Side uh, until my father got a job um, in the garment center, and they moved to an apartment in Brooklyn. So uh, they were both um, very proud of their new country, uh, which they referred to as the uh, the Golden Land. That was uh, tarnished a little bit. Um, one story my father did say uh, tell me was he rem- uh, remembered seeing, uh, as he called them, quote bums. Uh, laying on the street in the Bowery, uh, but he still loved America. Um, um, They embraced their English English language learning, um, even as they continued to speak Yiddish in the home and among their friends and fellow survivors. Uh, They went to night school, studied for their citizenship exams, and became proud, naturalized, citizens. Um, um, I'll just share this with you. I have a, a vivid early memory of my mother's studies. When I was about six years old, I remember sitting at the kitchen table at night while my mother practiced her reading, um, from a book that was not much different from my own first grade reader. And so we read to each other, uh, which was quite an interesting, um, dynamic. Um, and then we'd move on to civics lessons, which he also had a study for the citizenship exams. Um, I remember um, being a little snarky and, and um, helping, in quotes, my uh, mother study for a citizenship exam. Um, and being a little wise guy, even. I tried to stump her. I'd ask her uh, mommy, who was the first president of the United States? And she'd proudly answer in her Yiddish accent, George Washington. Yeah, <laughs> and I, right. You know, I, I laughed and clapped and quizzed her a few more questions um, until my father came home and the chicken soup was served. So, um, yeah, in my work at, at the Labor Department, I often encountered low-wage workers uh, who were recent immigrants. And. I imagine many of them uh, practicing their reading at a similar kitchen table, juggling um, their work demands, uh, trying to make ends meet, taking care of their children, and seeking their own paths to citizenship and and uh, and a better life. Um, um, so, uh, you know, I have many memories um, and, and thoughts about my parents on a, daily, uh, on a daily basis.
0: As said earlier, uh, we've done a number of programs on survivors, as many as we can find and as many as we can record and send to university and high school shelves. The response has been impressive and really enjoyable. Uh, people will say that they weren't aware, they haven't talked, they'd like to, However, every now and again, there is that phone call or letter or email describing a circumstance where a member of family is so reticent, and they wish to, and then the next day they cannot. What advice would you give for that family member to either bring the story out or simply allow it to remain recidivist?
1: It's a wonderful question. And in my... um facilitation of the second generation group meetings, um, there were different experiences. And I'll never forget one of the folks who came to the meetings a couple of times as a lawyer. And um, we had a discussion about um, our responsibilities to the third generation and generations to follow. uh, Because the mission statement of the second generation group that I thought long and hard about and tried to um, uh, make it concise was um, that we would um, explore and share the unique experiences, awareness, bonds, but also burdens and responsibilities that come with being uh, children of Holocaust survivors. Now this lawyer hearing some of the stories and in our discussion about the third generation we devoted a couple of sessions to that, he said my children don't even know my parents were Holocaust survivors. I don't want to burden them with all I was burdened with growing up. And nobody in the it was a small group of 12 to 15 people and people were very critical of him and uh, excoriated him. And, but that was his honest opinion. And I understand the concept, um, but like any burden, pain, uh, illness, um, loss in, in our lives, um, We have to work through those feelings and understand them, accept them. And I think if we do that, we come out uh, better on the other side, more enlightened, and even more at peace. Um, um, And so that's for the second generation. For the the survivors themselves, I would not (laughs) presume— to um, try to extract from any of them any painful uh, memories that um, they just can't bear to re- relive. And I saw it in my own uh, father and mother. My father, not so much. He was stoic. But um, as good-hearted as my mother was, to everyone. um, I could uh, sense, and I lived through their trauma as well. Um, In our old neighborhood, uh, the front doors were most often kept unlocked, but not in my house or the homes of other Holocaust survivors. And uh, When a knock came at the door, I remember my mother flinched as if and if it was a loud knock, she'd sometimes not go to the door or open it. And she even retreated to a back room as if it was the SS at the door or her remembrances of that. Sometimes it was just a fuller brush man, <laughs> but, uh, or a neighborhood kid, but my mom had flashbacks to those darker times. So it was it's something that's always there Different people deal with it differently. I've been, been to many um, programs where I've heard uh, survivors speak along with my own parents. Um, and um, I'd say they all have the inherited trauma or, uh, well, the second generation has what's called inherited trauma. Uh, the survivors have that trauma. So, um You know, I know it's real, uh, and I, for one, uh, accept that different people uh, must and do deal with it uh, differently. Um, The funny thing about that inherited trauma concept, I read a little bit about it, and um, I recently came across... um, um, someone uh, saying that uh, uh, along with inherited trauma, there's also a concept of inherited resilience. And I, I definitely believe in that and see it in myself and others.
0: I've often, in uh, whatever travels I might propose for myself, have encountered amongst uh, Jews, African-Americans, Hispanics, today immigrants, given the difficulties, the need to have a talk, that specific talk that President Obama actually referred to with his own children. Have you had that talk with your own kids, sure. yeah. Irv, to
1: explain the rules of the game? Well, if you mean have I spoke with them about having to uh, deal with anti-Semitism, ah. Uh, the answer is yes. They both largely uh, dismissed it, which I attribute or used to attribute to the fact that they were uh, young and inexperienced, not as a put-down, but it's just a matter of the passage of time bringing wisdom and perspective. And also... Because they grew up in New York, they never felt like a minority in the same way um, as African Americans might or uh, recent Latino uh, immigrants. Um, They never felt the anti-Semitism. And for one thing, of course, as parents, we wanted to shield them from that. Um, but, uh, my son, especially, um, I think started to feel it. Um, and he's gone now, sadly, he passed away three years ago. He had a chronic illness. Um, but, um, about 12 years ago, he moved to the West coast. He moved to Seattle, um, and look he was already um uh, an adult a young adult and i said dave um i just uh i i just have to tell you this i'm compelled to uh you'll be traveling the country he also worked for the government and you're going to experience things you've never experienced before some of them good some of them bad uh and one of them is anti-semitism and i just want you to be careful out there. Um, And he had a couple of experiences, um, which drove home the point. And, you know, we didn't harp on it beyond that, but I think he came to understand um, because um, he didn't know any other Jewish people uh, among his friends, neighbors, or... um, Uh, workmates uh, for quite a long time uh, out there. Then he did. Um, And uh, he became more attached to his Jewish heritage as time went on. You know, he joined the congregation, all of that that he had never done when he was in New York. Um, My daughter still lives in New York and um, you know, intellectually, uh, of course she knows she's very much shaken by, uh, the recent, uh, anti-Semitic, um, incidents. Um, and, um, so it's a matter of living and learning and, and, uh, yes, uh, I don't think it's necessary to pound young children. Um, and scare them, but at the same time, they should be aware. And so it's a matter of reaching a certain age and um, becoming um, informed. And as parents, uh, knowing when the right time is to to teach your children well.
0: You've repeatedly mentioned the term trauma. In point of fact, how have you in some way dealt with your
1: own. Bob, I don't know if you can still hear me, but you cut out, uh, I did not hear that last question. Oh, indeed. indeed. Can
0: Can you hold for a moment? I'll bring in an engineer to deal with it. I can hear
1: you now, though. I think it might have been momentary.
0: Oh, all right. Glad of that. I was curious about that term trauma that you've used. Yeah. How would you identify your own circumstance and how
1: did you deal with it? Um, well, there were a few incidents uh, as a child where I heard the uh, slurs, um, but really, there were so many Jewish kids around me that um, it, uh, I didn't ignore it, but I um, I came to, uh, to deal with it and know that certain people are, are biased as an adult, especially a young adult and traveling the country for my job. Um, I did not concentrate on the trauma. I won't say I didn't have trauma because I do think some of it is ingrained and I do believe in that uh, concept of inherited trauma. I mean, I have a lot of my parents' traits. Um, uh, There's a part of me that's quite pessimistic, uh, fearing for the worst. Um, you know, and preparing um, for it. Um, but yes, I had I had, um, I had um, several um, incidents where it smacked me in the face. Um, uh, there was a high ranking official in my agency uh, who once remarked publicly, not with me in the room, But to others, in the presence of others who told me about it, that the biggest problem she had in the agency were the Jews in the agency. And by the way, she added Italians as well. Um, And I was alarmed by it, but I wasn't traumatized by it. Uh, it, Again, it just made me more um, steadfast and... and, um, my work and doing what I had to do and making me a better person to, for me, uh, having the trauma inherited or otherwise experiencing the intolerance in my case, made me a better person, more empathetic, uh, more understanding, even as a boss, um, because we all have our own stuff, you know, and uh, um, so I was always aware of it, but I, I think I used it to make myself and, and better and trying to make others better as well.
0: I was thinking while you were talking about uh, the comment uh, of a rather foolish person, Italian and Jewish mothers seem to come from the same egg, huh. with food as the original, <laughs> the original huh? compliance in life. I would wonder, growing up, uh, I had read here, there, and everywhere of different persons uh, achieving at varied levels. Don Newcomb, the great pitcher for the Brooklyn Dodgers, was once asked, how did he feel after Jackie Robinson experienced the name-calling and the prejudice, and he said, I went home and I threw away my collection of baseball cards, yeah. but I kept Hank Greenberg. Did you have an idol? Did you have someone that you closed your eyes and thought about?
1: You mean growing up or now or both?
0: I think we stay with our idols. We simply dress them in different clothing.
1: Um, I was... a. L- A combination growing up of uh, a nerd and an athlete, a rather (laughs) odd combination. Um, Uh, So, um, you know, I I was good enough for the JV team in high school, but never good enough for the varsity. I was a good schoolyard uh, athlete, basketball player, mostly and i was um pretty much a straight a student but uh I'm not going to be the valedictorian um so um i remember early on reading a biography about uh albert einstein um and um i would say uh he was uh he was an idol of mine um and on the sports side, it was uh, it was Mickey Mantle, but you know that's just the kid's dream. Um, uh, the uh, there were uh, fictional characters <laughs> as well. Um, I was a big comic book reader. My father didn't like it. I think he didn't like the uh, piles of comics I accumulated in our uh, in our uh, relatively small apartment, but uh, uh, I'll never forget um, uh, watching the old Superman um, TV show with uh, uh, George Reeves and, um, you know, his, uh, and the motto being truth, justice in the American way. But really, uh, um, as the years have gone on, I've met people, so uh, real life idols i've met uh who have um, um overcome serious obstacles, and they're not famous people um in general but um uh I have a friend um um who's blind and legally deaf, who's the most upbeat optimistic uh person I've ever known, and um, he's someone I admire, and he's really a hero to me as well. Um, So that's off the top of my head. I'd have to think about it. I'm sure I've had many, many uh, other um, people I consider heroes in my life.
0: I would hope we've all been blessed with someone who occupies a corner of our mind that we can carry with us forever. You yeah. mentioned uh, the second gen organization. Can you tell us about your organization,
1: Earth? Well, um, as I say, uh, I founded it after my—I guess you could call it—chance encounter with the uh, education director. Um, um, growing up in Brooklyn, my parents had belonged to these what they called societies of survivors from their hometowns. Um, my father's society, the Pietrikov Society, had events and gatherings uh, for the children, so, such as quorum parties, but I was rarely interested. Uh, it wasn't until my encounter with uh, uh, the education director at the center that, um, uh, that I resurrected um, well, it wasn't even a resurrection. That I started my serious interest in in the second generation group, and her giving me the opportunity to create the group, formulate the agenda, write the mission statement, have the monthly meetings, and explore um, um, the aspects of being. I tell the Holocaust survivors that it, it became more and more um, valued. We now have a um, a contact list, email distribution list of, uh, I'd say, over 300 children of Holocaust survivors. Uh, you know, um, uh, a small percentage of those come to the meetings every month, which makes it manageable. Um And it was a combination of um, a support group where we shared stories about our parents and some of the trauma growing up that we had experienced or that we're just now realizing. We shared it with each other and we realized that and how we are different from other contemporaries our age, different even from other Jewish people, uh, as having been children of Holocaust survivors. Um, and um, that sharing, and we had a uh, rules of ethics, which included not um, repeating the stories or whatever else happened in the group, Um and that aspect of the group. We also saw films, had guest speakers, um, but it was a closed group, except for those films and speakers. It was a closed group of children of Holocaust survivors. And we came, uh, we we explored the themes um, and connected those themes to our experience as second generation. Um, and we explored items in the news and how it relates uh, to our experiences and that of our parents. So we viewed everything through the lens of uh, being children of Holocaust survivors. So uh, it was pretty extensive uh, undertaking, uh, formulating the agenda. Uh, I facilitated it, not alone, um, realizing that there were some um, potential um psychological and emotional uh, traumas that, that may arise. Um, I uh, facilitated it together with a woman who was not a second-generation person, but she was a psychiatrist and a historian. And we did that for, um, as I say, about six years or so, and um, and, um, she moved out of the area after, uh, Hurricane Sandy. And then my work had me traveling more and more. So I couldn't devote the time to the group I wanted to. And I, uh, sought somebody new to facilitate the group, uh, because it continued to ha- serve a great purpose for the participants. And, um, um learning not only about our parents' experiences, but our own similar dynamics growing up. So um, I was able to get a replacement facilitator um, who happens to be my cousin, uh, Sid, and, and uh, he's one of the children of my mother's sister who also survived with her. So um, you know, we um um uh, you know I still go to the uh some of the meetings and um it's um evolved and become more informational and um uh, uh because I, I think people uh get a little wary of discussing their experiences and traumas. But it still comes up in the, um, the context of the events of the day. It still does.
0: One of the attributes of a fine program is when the time goes by so quickly, I'm noticing by the clock we are within three minutes of the end of this very fruitful hour. You're rather skilled, uh, Irv, on taking people on a verbal journey. I would wonder if anyone wishes to be part of your group, If anyone wishes to reach out to you, how might they approach it?
1: Oh, very simply, anyone who wants to uh, um, uh, uh, either email me um, at newerv at yahoo.com. That's N-E-W-I-R-V at yahoo.com. Or um, if they want to come to a meeting, they can simply show up. They can, they can also email the current facilitator of the North Shore Group, Andrea Bolander. I think it's Bolander at gmail.com. Or Sid Waxman. Um, and his email address, I think, is qatsid at gmail.com. Or they can simply show up the monthly meetings on the North Shore, take place at the Sid Jacobson uh, JCC in Roslyn. It's the last Monday of every month um, at 7 p.m. Um, or on the South Shore, it's the um, Friedberg JCC in Oceanside. And that meeting takes place the second Tuesday of every month at 7 p.m. In fact, uh, there was a a meeting last night uh, that um, most people didn't show up to out of uh, continuing concern about the uh, current virus. But the the group will go on. Um, If you email either of those two people, Andrea, Sid, they'll put you on an email uh, distribution list, and you'll get not only... Uh, information about the second generation group meetings and events, but also they they link to events at the uh, the uh, Holocaust Center as well.
0: We're going to uh, have to bring this to a close. Hopefully, Irv, uh, you have an invitation at your door anytime you'd like to return. Hopefully, oh, uh,
1: thank you very much. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly, um, and I, I really appreciate you. Uh, doing this and, and um, making the Second Generation Group uh, a topic worthy of your pod- podcast, I really do.
0: It's my pleasure, there's a All great right. joy in keeping echoes alive. Be in touch, the program is seldom said, my name is Robert.